0: Thank you and enjoy today's message.
1: Well, good morning. Are you okay? Hope you're enjoying your holidays. Also, uh, greetings to everybody who joins us every week from uh, across the globe, which is an increasing uh, community. Very appreciative. Please let us know who you are because some of you haven't an idea. I was looking today at those of you listening, Columbus, Ohio. No idea who you are. Let us know who you are so we can uh, be aware and be a blessing even more if possible. So, um, I want to talk to you today in line with our clips about joining the dots and the power of doubt. One of the things we don't recognize and have gratefulness for, which is a major ingredient in the successful and healthy development of each of us as human beings in our spiritual journey is doubt doubt was a dirty word when I was growing up and yet the problem is if you remove the element of doubt you will never get free of what then becomes the prison of belief so don't be afraid of doubt Rampant, unchecked, and unchallenged beliefs are just as problematic as rampant, unchecked, and unchallenged doubts. Each are equally dangerous. There's an amazing little verse, and I, I just I love the wisdom that comes out of, out of um, the Bible and ancient scripture. If you read it correctly and put it in its proper context about what it's saying, and there's a very interesting verse in the Bible narrative surrounding how it presents creation. When, when Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden and, uh, and God says to them, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, it will surely die. Notice that it says the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, Not just the tree of evil or the tree of the knowledge of evil, but the tree of the knowledge of good. So even our perceptions of what we think is good can be just as destructive and are just as destructive to us as our concepts and ideas of what we think are evil. And that's where doubt comes in so much. So don't be afraid of the idea that our individual lives may be made up of a series of dots which we join to create a picture And that maybe that's part of the skill and wisdom that we must acquire in this thing called living. Joining the dots and the power of doubt. Now, the movie we're using today to to, to give us our parables to talk from is The Truman Show. The Truman Show is a movie about the ultimate reality show. It's the ultimate of a controlled and organized life by the will of others for their purpose and entertainment. His life is simply on show, in a show, for the benefit of others who watch the show. And there's no healthy me, and there's no healthy free. Truman, being the ultimate reality show, the Truman Show is about following a guy's life from being born, but the environment that he is born into and lives into is in a constructed environment, which is ultimately and completely and undeniably then a construct, which then creates the movie. Okay? And that's what we're looking at today. So I want there to be a healthy me, and I want there to be a healthy free. In that first video... Uh, we got led into a phone conversation on someone phoning into the producer of the show because remember, this is like the uh, ultimate, uh, your ultimate real life show. And um, uh, the question was asked why do you think Truman has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now? And the answer, I think, is quite insightful and also very challenging. And this was the answer, we accept the reality of the world with which we were presented. It's as simple as that. And folks, the great challenge that we face is that very thing. This is not in the Bible in these words, but it's in the Bible in many other words. The problem is we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. And it's as simple as that, the issues that we face. And he went on to say he could leave at any time if, if his was more than just a vague ambition. If he was absolutely determined to discover the truth, there's no way we could prevent him. There's another fantastic statement and lesson that when there is an absolute determination to discover the truth, there is no way that anything that holds you can prevent you from leaving and breaking out. And then the girl who was calling knew, knew him because of another incident and she's contending with the producer of what they've done to Truman and, and, um, uh, and then he replies about her call and says, I think that what distresses you, caller, is that ultimately Truman prefers his cell as you call it. That links us back to last week when we looked at the... Um, the what was the name of the film? The Shawshank Redemption and all that's to do with last week with the whole thing of of being incarcerated and institutionalized and so join, joining the dots is an interesting idea that probably originates not from a child's activity book which most of us were introduced to it but actually the imagination of ancient peoples when observing the stars yeah. now I, I, I literally mean this God knows how they managed to create those pictures. And I mean that, that's not like an obtuse statement. I mean, God knows how they managed to create the lion and the warrior and all that stuff from looking at the stars. But they did, what it shows is this inner compulsion that they had that somehow there were dots that needed to be joined and that when you were able to join those dots, they would give you an image, they would create something that would give you understanding and insight and of course this whole thing didn't start in the pages of a kid's book it started with a cosmic understanding and a cosmic idea that was drawn to the connectedness of all things so the first original join the dots were all these ancients who gave us Sagittarius and Leo and Pisces and all these because they somehow realized if you could join the dots you would create the picture of life and they all understood, There is a cosmic dimension to this, that we would talk about God, we would talk about the divine, we would talk about something bigger than ourselves that is involved in the joining of the dots of our own lives to create the picture that needs to be there. It started out not in a child's play item, but in a cosmic setting, suggesting there's something more meaningful in this than maybe initially meets the eye. So maybe you need to think a little bit more about the implication of this truth in our own lives. We're about to see in this, the video that we saw and and the one that comes later, what happens when Truman just starts to join the dots. And that's really what happens to bring him to the place of where ultimately you'll see his moment of freedom. Now, a guy called Soren Kierkegaard, who some of you will have read, some of you will be aware of, others haven't and don't care. <laughs> but Soren Kierkegaard said, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Do you understand that? Life can only be understood backwards, But it must be lived forward. So our challenge is, and and our problem is, that we have to live forwards, but life can only be understood backwards. It's only when we assess what has happened that we can understand where we have come to and what has been. And herein lies the problem of joining the dots. So the question is, how do we live purposely in a forward-looking way? Well, let me tell you, realisation is one important factor. You understand that the word realize is when you real eyes something. See, we've allowed the language to, to deflate this and, and reduce this to a simple statement, oh, I just noticed, right? Well, the word realize is more than just notice. Realize means when you real eyes." okay? You, you became eyes to the real and about the real, and so realisation is one of the important factors in how we live pers- purposefully while looking forward. So in, in that clip that we just showed, one of the stage lighting components in that huge dome that had been created to house the Truman Show fell out of the roof and fell on the road, which is where we joined that clip, that Truman finds the light that's fallen out of the set that he can't see and he's looking for it. But it posed this question to me. What do you do when that unexpected something falls on the floor of your world? What do you do when that unexpected something falls on the floor of your world? when that relationship you thought would never break down did, when that friendship you thought would never end did, when that journey you were on that you thought would be everything in your life ended, what do you do when that unexpected something falls on the floor of your world? Has it happened to you? It certainly happened to me and what do you do with and from that point because that's of critical importance because those things may seem an interruption they may seem a threat they may seem dangerous but actually they are alerting you to something about the world that you are living in that has been created in a way that it's become false and it is not allowing you to be healthily free and healthily me So we should ask the question, I guess, what role does doubt play in the joining of the dots? Well, in fact, let me make a step back because I'd forgot because I missed a bit. Do you remember the rain scene? So it starts to rain on him. He's getting drenched and then he walks to the side and suddenly it's not raining on him because the rain is actually there. And he finds out that this is actually a created thing. It's an illusion and it posed the other question, what do you do when you realize the rain you think you've been experiencing feels real but it's not really what you think it is? Now, I don't want to get into it, but in my journey in church, in my journey in the Christian life, particularly in my journey in Pentecostalism and the charismatic circles, I have to ask the question, because I've had to ask the question of me, what do you do when you realize the rain that you think you've been experiencing feels real, but it's really not what you think it is? But it's something created to rain on you that gives you the experience when you're under it. It brings me to one of the challenges I've said, that when I hear the words, God is really moving in that place, that's created rain because if it was a real rainstorm, you couldn't walk into it and walk out of it so easily. Or when we left the building, the presence of God was in the building. That's created rain. It's false. It's an ideal that's no greater than the Truman Show. And so let me come back to that. should ask the question, what role does doubt play in the joining of the dots? What do you do when you suddenly find yourself facing the possibility that everybody on set is on is in on the deception you're now experiencing in a world created by them and in that comes the the deceptive nature of institutionalisation that is resistant to truth because everybody in the institution is in on what is happening and does everything they can to keep you within it, what I'm trying to do is break that today to give you a greater perception, really, of who you're supposed to be and the whole idea of God and creation and life and the universe and all that you could be. And then, of course, we get to the thing that uh, recognising that that's what's happening, that what's happening is on a loop, see? So Truman recognizes this is on a loop. So the whole thing of the, of the uh, woman and the flowers and the Volkswagen Beetle with the dented fender was all that he had realized, I'm on a loop here. The same thing is going on over and over again. This is all just going round and around. And until you come to that realization in life, you're never going to break free from your true man Show. Can you see what they did with the title that's very clever? True Man Show. So Eckhart Tolle, who's another one who some of you will know about, some of you will have read, some of you don't know and haven't read and don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Eckhart Tolle gave an interesting insight on this subject matter. He said, life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. Now, note he doesn't say conscience. The way I was raised, we were obsessed with conscience, not consciousness. But he says, life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know that this is the experience you need? Because it's the experience you're having at this moment. That's how the dots work, if you understand the connecting of the dots. So can you join it to the previous one? Will you join it to the next? What's the emerging picture? You see, if your primary concern is not the evolution of your consciousness, then you're unlikely to pay attention to the numbers on the dots. Do you remember when you did the thing in, in your little book and it had one, two, three, four, five? But what if we did away with the condemnation Pass-fail effect of the numbers. Because that's the problem. If you think the numbers of life, the dots of life are numbered, you then come into a condemnation, pass-fail understanding of life. If I don't do this now, if I didn't get this right, if I made the wrong choice there, if I didn't obey here, I've got it all wrong and I'm lost. Well, let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of the numbers on the dots. And what if we replace them with the word... Next. So where do I go from here? You go to whatever is next. And how do I know what's next? Because life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. So we move to the next. See, when next is the number, it makes the process more fluid, less condemning, and way more access, accessible and full of grace. Yes. Because it means life is shaped without condemnation, that something is, someone is working with us for the unfolding picture, that if we cooperate, that picture will emerge. I was raised with, and utterly and totally scared by, the idea that there was the will of God. Yeah. How many of you were raised with Knowing the will of God, it scared the living daylights out of me to the point of terror. And the reason it did it is because if that was the case, I was so afraid that I would miss the will of God, that I could and therefore be, probably would get it wrong and that if i could and would get it wrong then there was no possibility of revisiting what it was i got wrong so i would lose my destiny i would lose my purpose and should forever accept that i would never become who god wanted me to be i tell you that's a lie it's a deception It's the rain that pours on you that you can step out of and it might want to chase you, but it's not real and you recognise it as not being real. I was raised with that. And for each life we were taught that the will of God has dot points in life. Now you might say I wasn't raised in church. You had the same thing, some of you. You were just taught it as fate. You were taught it as destiny. How many of you heard the phrase, oh, I didn't win because it wasn't meant to be? What a utter and total nonsense. You didn't win because you lost. <laughs> and in the words of the great Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights, if you ain't first, you last. And so we come up with those things that are giveaways and indicators that we may not have been raised in church with the idea of the will of God, but we still have this troubling thing about what was meant to be and what wasn't meant to be. And it bugs us and bothers us and holds us and grips us just the same as if we were in the depths of religion. What I was taught was heavy on conscience, which leads to condemnation. Rather than consciousness which leads to understanding. Please be aware of when and where your beliefs prove inadequate. And don't be afraid of it. Be aware of when and where your beliefs prove inadequate and where doubt leaps in. And please understand that it is not the place of destruction, it's the place of opportunity. Stop letting it release pity Oh, I got it wrong. I don't know if I got it wrong. I must never be right. I don't know. I can't join. Stop letting it release pity and start letting it release potential and bravely move to next. Jesus challenged the Jewish community with something. He said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and the dead. How are you going to deal with that? They couldn't deal with that. They were still hanging on that because they were trying to live life but only by looking back at what happened. Your father's ate manna, it was wonderful. It was a provision. It was of God. It was from God. But they're dead. But I am, that's now, the bread of life. So really he said, so your father's ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. What are you going to do? Well, I'm here to say, next... Because if anyone eats of this bread, he'll live. If you eat the bread of next, I am, you live. Now when you watch this movie, one thing you'll notice, how obstacles are placed in the way of Truman to keep him from escaping the constructed world in which he lives, And it sure feels like that for us. He was made a performer and a prisoner. And that's what, if you don't challenge life, it will do to you. That's what religion and belief systems, if you don't challenge them, will do to you. You become a performer and a prisoner, but he's about to become a true man without the show. So I know we we kind of put on you to get the gist of some of these uh, movies as a parable that, you know, we give you the clips, not the full movie. But I hope you've kind of just caught an image of what's going on here in the creation of a false world and really uh, the development of Truman um, within that world in a false environment, in a false setting. And um, of course, by the time we get to this last clip, he, his doubts have taken him to challenge his fears and now he's set out on this boat and of course, uh, he's just enjoying what he thinks is the wide open ocean when the, uh, when the, the prow of the boat bursts through the scenery that is the set of the false world that he has been raised. That's a scary moment. I've been there. It's a really scary moment. But what is interesting is that he'd lived in a constructed world with a controlled understanding. and, And I just wonder how much of our own lives really we could, if we assessed it, understand it's in a constructed world with a controlled understanding that doesn't allow us to get beyond. But what is interesting to me, and this is what I wanted to encourage in you today, it wasn't doubt that freed... That it, it wasn't faith that freed him, it was doubt, right? As he began to doubt what was happening in that constructed world... It was doubt, not faith, that took him to a door. It was faith that took him through the door, but it was doubt that took him to the door. And I feel if we miss this vital element, the truth is we can be guilty even in our belief systems, in our religion, in our church life, in all that we are of living in a constructed world with a controlled understanding of which we resist and fight everything because this is what we know when actually doubt is the thing. Not faith that will take us to a door, but faith is the thing that takes us through that door that we don't need to be afraid of. Listen, you may not realize it, but this is the life of Jesus described in one statement. He was challenging the people he taught to bring them to doubt so that they would come to a door. He said, I am the door, so that faith would take them through the door, which was him. Now, our greatest inner quest... Whether you recognize it or not is for meaning. Every one of us, our greatest inner quest is for meaning. We don't always recognize it. Sometimes we reword it. We say, no, our greatest inner quest is for love. But you only identify it as love because you're using love as a vehicle to deliver you into meaning. Because love gives meaning To our life, it gives meaning to the lives of others. So before love, at the root of all that, meaning. So for all of us, our greatest in the quest, if you will understand it, is for meaning. We're always looking for meaning. Everything you do ultimately is focused on looking for meaning in your life. We might retitle it as love. We might even we might even retitle it or decide its value. No, I'm looking for value. Or we might say, no, I'm looking for worth. But value and worth and love are only ingredients and elements that are really meaning that our search uh, that really shows that our search is for meaning. We just value. Why do we want value? Why do we want to be valued for meaning? Why do we want worth? For meaning. Why do we want love? For meaning. Do you get that? So our greatest inner quest is for meaning, and that's what's driving Truman, is to find meaning in his life. And we all ultimately revert in everything to that one challenge. However, here's the problem. Meaning means moving. And moving means changing. And changing means challenge. And that means overcoming your fears and maybe doing, as Truman did, what the powers forbid. So what do we do? We suppress that inner quest for meaning and we set, settle back into our false world, our secure world, our known world, where the loop just keeps going round and we know what's going on and we know where we fit and things are working for us, but actually it's not the freedom that we are looking for and we never find the true meaning in that situation. So here's where I came to. If you can poke a hole in the wall, the world in which you're living is not real. Part of my own journey in ministry, in, in life, in my faith, in my Christianity, in my belief towards God has occurred because I found I could poke a hole in the wall that was built around me and the construction that was given me as this is the Christian life, this is the God life. If you can poke a hole in the wall... The world in which you're living is not real. In every single situation, environment, however you apply that. So what if the dots of life are those which the physics of the quest attempts to address with some measure of practicality? And I keep coming back to this. Remember, there exists in the universe something I call the physics of the quest. A force of nature governed by laws as real as the laws of gravity or momentum. And the rule of quest physics goes like this. If you are brave enough to leave behind the familiar and the comforting and set out on a truth-seeking journey and be truly willing to regard everything that happens to you on that journey as a clue, and if you accept everyone you meet along the way as a teacher, and if you're prepared most of all to face and forgive some very difficult realities about yourself, then truth will not be withheld from you or so I've come to believe do you get the five things brave truth seeking willing accepting bold but here's how we start we start by accepting the reality of the world we're presented that's where we start by accepting the reality of the world we're presented then comes doubt Often followed by, and this is from personal experience, despair. (laughs) Then comes freedom, which can trigger regret. I have a million and one regrets that have come in spite of the freedom I've found, that came out of the despair that I felt, that was from the doubt I realized that was changing my understanding of the world that I was presented. But that regret finally leads to joy and contentment. Let me give them again. Accepting the reality of the world we're presented, then comes doubt, often followed by despair, then comes freedom, which can trigger regret, but finally leads to joy and contentment. So let me read you this before I close. Looking back at my true anth show... On my dance with belief and doubt, I do have regrets, just a few. I regret all the energy I invested into perfecting beliefs, promoting them, defending them, and imposing them on others. I regret how I used my beliefs as a yardstick to measure, judge, accept, and reject others and myself. I regret how much deference I showed to belief police and doctrinal gatekeepers who were more like prison guards than good shepherds. My regrets fuel this hope that future generations will learn to guide people beyond obsession with beliefs and into faith. Faith that breathes meaning into life. Faith that flows through consciousness. Faith that joins the dots through the number next. In spite of these regrets, I do not regret my journey of faith and doubt. Because I do not regret who I have become. Faith and doubt together have made me who I am and I wouldn't want to live without either. I continue to join the dots. Belief wants to paint you a picture on a wall. Doubt wants to cut a hole in the wall and put a window in it. It's called the window of faith. And as Truman did, there we take the final bow.